Hello and welcome to the Chicana Code Switchers podcast. Your co-hosts are Ariana and Patricia. We are both Chicana scholar practitioners in higher education. Each episode, we discuss insights, tips, and resources for students and practitioners in higher education with a focus on social justice and platicas. With that being said, let's start this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Chicana Code Switchers. My name is Ariana, and I'm here with my co-host. Hi, everyone. My name is Patricia. And we're excited to have um, this new episode where we have two wonderful guests. Um, and Patricia will start off as start, start us off with the first one. So our first uh, guest is Alondra Martinez. Her pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, her position is an academic advisor. Um, Alondra is a first-generation college student who immigrated to the U.S. when she was one year old. A majority of her childhood took place in Southern California. As the eldest of three children, Alondra knew she needed to go to college and set an example for her siblings and the generations to come. At the age of 21, Alondra graduated from California State University, Fresno, with a bachelor's degree in liberal studies and a minor in urban education. Most recently, Alondra graduated with her master's in education from California State University, Fresno. Uh, while in her graduate program, Alondra worked on her thesis titled Graduate Student Reflections of Other Undocumented Experience, a qualitative study of the hardships experienced in higher education. Alondra currently works at Fresno State for a student support service program tailored to aid students with disabilities on campus. Wonderful. And our second guest is Karina Reyes Bañuelos. Uh, her pronouns are she and her. Uh, she's an academic coordinator. And Karina was born and raised in Puerto Escondido, Oaxaca, located in southern, southwestern Mexico. Her family made the decision to immigrate to the United States when she was six years old. Karina currently works with UCSF as an academic program coordinator at the local high school she attended growing up. She graduated from Fresno Pacific University in 2017, where she completed her bachelor's in political science and a minor in Spanish. She recently graduated from CSU Fresno with her master's in education. Her academic journey has not been easy. Being a first-generation college student, Karina has had to navigate the education system through the support of her family and a few but great mentors she has come across. She had advocated and advanced local youth policies in the city of Fresno. In addition, she had the opportunity of living in Washington, D.C. for several months and interned with Unidos U.S., the U.S.'s largest Latino nonprofit that advocated for progressive public policy changes. She is passionate about system changes and creating equitable spaces for students and their families and education, as well as in their daily lives. So welcome, both of you. Thank you for, for joining us on this episode. Um, if y'all uh, listeners have guests, yes, they are my cohort members um, who I went to uh, my master's program in. And we both of us were the, uh, the three of us were um, the only ones in our program uh, that did a thesis project. So um, can you all say hi to um, our, our listeners? Hello, everybody. Um, it's good to be here. Thank you, Patricia and Ariana, for um, having me today. 
Yeah, this is Alondra. Thank you, guys, Patricia, Adriana, for having us. And hello, everyone. I hope that what we talk about today, you know, you guys can relate to and that we can help guide you guys in some kind of way. So uh, we wanted to to come in together um, to really discuss mostly our master's thesis experience. Um, and so we'll have Adriana facilitating a little bit more of the conversation. And we'll start from the beginning. So, so the beginning, what was each of your experiences um, when you chose to do a thesis? What was that like? And Who's going first? <laughs> <laughs> Alondra, I pick you. All right. Um, so choosing to do a thesis, um, going through a master's program, I felt it was going to be extremely rigorous and when we were doing it I, I worked full-time on campus and I felt like oh it's doable you know I had learned a lot but as a writer I always wanted to grow like um as an ESL learner it was always kind of hard to keep up I would say and I was always told like you know my writing could be better my writing could be better or that my writing wasn't good enough and so I always just felt like I needed that and so when I got time to choose what we wanted to do between like an exam that was more so not really an option and then the uh, project and the thesis I kind of felt like I needed to challenge myself and get the most out of the grad program that I could so then um, that's how I came to the conclusion that I would I would do it and it was definitely hard but that's that was my story thank you what about you, Karina? Yeah. Um, so I never even, when I heard, like, the three options, um, initially in our retreat, um, which was a master's, a project, or a master's thesis, a project, or also um, the written, um, the test. And so the test was kind of out of our, um, of what all our cohort chose. So it was between a project and a thesis. Um, I think prior to that though, before the retreat, I had, um, I was kind of seeking for like questions, answers, like my cohort, some of my cohort friends and I, we were just chatting about like, like, what do we do? You know? And, um, and, but they said, I were always just in conversation, like, this is what we want to do. Um, we're interested in doing like a thesis. So, you know, we initially, um, I had, I started a conversation with one of my, one of the advisors there and, um, kind of shared with her my experience and like what I'm interested in. Um, and, you know, it just kind of felt like a little bit, um, quite, quite a bit defeated <laughs> thinking that it seemed like a very large project from the feedback that I was getting. Um, and so I was scared, um, even thinking about that process of choosing the thesis. I didn't even know what I was going to get myself into. Um, but then talking to, um, just several other students, um, and people who have gone through the thesis process, um, it's really, it was really helpful for me to understand, like, this is a large commitment. Um, am, am I willing to do it? And yeah, just kind of like that preser perseverance of like wanting to do it. 
um, was like what really made me choose. Um, I wouldn't really say that it was anyone that really helped me choose that. I would say it was like mostly like I was very much challenged by others not to do it, right? Like it was more of like, don't choose that route. It's very hard. So I think that the my own motivation to kind of led me to want to pursue that. So that's kind of how I um, began. Mm, thank you. Yeah. yeah, and I think it was interesting because um, from aside from like all of y'all, like I've spoken about this and in, in the podcast saying like I'm coming on from like outside of the Central Valley and having not had that many experiences um, in Fresno or how Fresno State worked, um, my impression, especially with a lot of my friends who did go to their master's programs, they all did a thesis, like, that was pretty standard for everyone to do. So um, when we had the first orientation for our master's program, they had first talked about it, but a lot of it was, especially when it came to a retreat after our first year, it was a big push about, and a lot of uh, just, like, discouraging us to even pick a thesis um there was a lot of like making it super intimidating and everything and now that like reflecting back from you know the difference between our our peers and us experiencing like in writing I'm like I think it was worse doing a project um just because you didn't have uh you had like less than about like two months really to pull together four chapters um, for our thesis, we had a little bit more time. If you had a good thesis chair, I was able to really work with you all. I mean, all of us had a different experience, like getting our, our committees and everything. But my intention first for even doing a master's thesis was because a lot of um, my long-term plans, if I ever wanted to do a doctorate, was to have a writing piece, was to do a thesis, or even in a job prospect, like if you wanted to you know, really talk about, you know, your experience or something, a thesis would be a really great opportunity for you to publish and, and share that you're, you've mastered or you know a little bit more of the, the specific topic. So, um, but from the beginning, it was a lot of like misguidance and misadvising about what really was a thesis. And from the perspective of both, it's like, it, it, they did pretty much a lot of different, like similar things except with less guidance and less choice of who the advisor was going to be. And so um, just because I wasn't in your program and for our audience members who may not know um, how, who was the challenging individuals who were discouraging, discouraging you all from pursuing a thesis, just to give us some context, like. So I guess I'll say um, when we went to what Karina had talked about our, I don't know what it was called, like, oh, our retreat or whatever. Um, it wasn't really a retreat, what you would think of the word retreat, right, where you, like, leave and do fun stuff or whatever. It was more like a two-hour or three, four-hour, I'm not sure how many hours. It was a long meeting, pretty much, to go over, like, the options that we would have um, in regards to finishing our degree. And obviously, thesis was one of them. And in that meeting, they had told us that if we wanted to do a thesis, we would have to start like tomorrow, which was like the next day, obviously. And um, they also mentioned that the prof they would have to work with a professor to be able to complete the thesis. And the professor usually works with them during the summer. 
However, they're not available during the summer because they're faculty and they don't work during the summer. So then that kind of just got confusing for me because I was like, oh, well, I don't really know what a thesis is supposed to be. And then they had told us, if you want to do a thesis on top of everything, you also have to submit your chapters two and three or I'm not even sure if I'm saying correctly, but two of the chapters, two out of the five or six chapters, we had to complete them and submit them the first day of the semester starting so that they can review it and then we can move forward um, as into like selecting our committee or something because they want us to do a big piece of the thesis on our own before moving forward. And again, they said we would need faculty support, but the faculty would not be available during the summer. So it just was like really, really confusing. And that's where we kind of felt, or at least for me speaking for myself, I felt like, um, is this even really an option? Because although they're saying it's an option, they're also saying I need help, yet they're saying they're not going to be there to help me. So it just got really confusing. I'm not sure if Patricia and um, Karina have anything else to add to, to what I just said. Yeah, it was the same thing. Like I had met with uh, the program former coordinator and director of education leadership. And right when I was interviewing to do my graduate assistantship, I went to their office and I had told them, hey, I wanted to do a master's thesis. And they were just kind of pushing it like, oh, you really don't do much of the work until the last semester of your last, like the last semester of your last year. And I was very confused because of, you know, in conversations with um, Ariana and I's friends who have gone through the master's thesis, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. They had worked for a whole year long, at least before even you know, doing everything in the spring semester makes no sense, especially um, since I had already done research projects before. It takes more than one semester, especially considering everything else that we have in our responsibilities. It's not easy to just get an IRB approval, like all the little steps that you need to get for to even start the thesis or even your, your subject, your committee. Um, and for me, it was like super discouraging because the faculty, our program faculty that were at that retreat, all had mentioned that none of them had ever done the master's thesis and they were fine. Um, and that it was all right. And the thing that was even more frustrating was the fact that your chair had to be someone within our program. But again, like how Alondra was saying, none of the faculty were actually willing to commit uh, in paper or anything, uh, nothing, not even to sign anything to be our chairs. The only one that had been a lot more vocal about supporting us was a faculty that wasn't in our in, in the in the retreat that's incredible um so then what happened how did you all go about selecting your chairs or what was the the next step were you choosing your topics and then going back to someone so for me um because i was like okay so all the three or four faculty members that were at the retreat said they were not going to be available during the summer, then I'm just going to ask the one faculty member who was not at that meeting because I don't know if um, he's even aware that this was said, right? Mm -hmm. So I just, um, I waited because we finished in May. So I had all of June to just 
chill, take a break from that first year. And then the last week of June, I had sent him an email um, telling him I was considering doing it and this would be my topic, um, like uh, researching on undocumented students. And he said, hey, let's meet. I, I need to meet with you then. Let's meet. And so then he uh, he just was open to meeting me. I went and I talked to him. And then I, I just asked him if he would be willing to help me throughout the whole summer and be my chair. And he said, yeah. And then he said, we're going to get started tomorrow. So c- came July 1st. And that's all I did. I think I started before uh, Patricia and Karina only because I had his support and I was in Fresno. So he was in Fresno. I was in Fresno. It was a lot more accessible. And in the summer, man, he was on me a lot. It was, it was very, he was very on it and he was very good during the entire summer because I finished two chapters. Um, yeah. And then he was kind of the one helping to guide me as in like challenging things you know that the other faculty members or advisors would say he would be like no this is my experience this is how the institution should be these people can't can or cannot tell you this and this and he would be like our advocate he would send emails to people he would call people he would just double check and he was pretty much the reason why I even was able to to do it and what was your um I think we briefly mentioned your topic your thesis topic was um Yeah, graduate students' reflections of their undocumented experience. It was a qualitative study of the hardships faced in higher ed. Okay, thank you. And then Karina? Yeah, um, kind of just going about um, choosing a chair slash members of the committee. Like, I was super lost over the summer. Um, All I was, it was kind of the three of us over the summer, just the summer before last year actually yeah last year texting each other and saying like you know like what's next like I I honestly this was so new and this is new for all of us um I was scared I like had so many like fears about like I'm not sure what I'm doing but I'm just gonna go with the flow um Patricia and I actually um were scheduling like zoom meetings to like be each other's like motivation to like write um and always like our conversations were always ending up about like just injustices and issues that we had about this whole process um but I think definitely like that process like really helped and then like reaching out to Alandra like what are you doing so there was like so many questions that we had over the summer that we had no answers to um and given that we probably would have not have had as much um guidance because staff faculty was not working um so you know that helped those summer sessions that we were just thinking through like just brainstorming what are we going to write about how are we going to even complete these chapters that they expect us to come on the first day back at school back um into the fall semester of our second year um so that whole process even up until like november I was like, I have no committee, and they were pushing us, like, you know, you have to have, like, your committee members, and I was like, I don't even know, like, I have no idea what to do, where's the paper, so, like, um, I think once Alondra and Patricia kind of had an idea about who they were choosing, I was like, okay, I need to get on it, and, you know, I scheduled a meeting with, um, the coordinator, and, um, 
I asked her, can, you know, you be my chair? Um, and it still was like a very, like, I don't know yet answer, um, which to me, you know, I, I, I would just, I needed guidance and I think I wasn't, I was not getting it anytime soon until spring. Um, so there was a lot of other, there was a lot of miscommunication in that. And I just kind of, I needed to turn in paperwork to make sure that my, that I was set on to do a, a thesis. So there was all these hard deadlines in the midst of you trying to find like your committee members and figuring out this whole process. Um, until my chair finally committed and said, yes, I can take you. Um, cause she can only take one student, but like, it really took just the, the length of time to actually make it happen. I think it's, it was just, um, I don't think that should have been, that should have been, I don't think I, I should have experienced that. I think, um, it, it, given that we, the department is such a small group, um, you know, there, there, there should have been more, I think, efforts to try to guide us um, in that process. So that is kind of how I came to find my chair. Um, and we really kind of, I, most of my work was really done over winter break, where I like, it kicked my butt. Like, I did not know that I had to write like, 50 plus pages like in three weeks four weeks of that winter break like there was no winter break if you tell me like I'm barely taking a break as of now as of a week ago because these last five months have been just pure writing um and given that you know normally a thesis could have should should last a year or so of a process this all sounds intense (laughs) And then hold on, I haven't even said my part. So what was interesting was when that retreat happened, I mean, Alondra, you spoke with uh, with um, that professor that wasn't in, in the summer. And then immediately after that, I went to Berkeley to go work full time um, for the summer. And so it was really hard to even, you know, be on top of like the other, because it was like 12, 13 hour shifts every day working. Um and trying to do a lit review with Karina to try to keep ourselves accountable to even write or look at articles. First of all, the summer was useless because it was just stressing over nothing. And then come the semester, and I had been emailing all the faculty, except for some, because I knew I, I did it. It didn't make sense for some faculty to be my chair because they had nothing, no, none of their work was related to what I was doing. And then their work style didn't work with my style. So the ones that I did or wanted to reach out to at least because we need to have three members in our committee. One is the chair, which is the main person that you're in contact with and two other committee members. Uh, Two of those, the rules that they gave us was two of those, the chair and one of the members have to be within our program. The last one could be anybody with a master's and up. Um, But come the first semester at the beginning, um, I emailed everyone and no one really could meet with me. Um, I was stressing. That's when I started reaching out to Alondra's chair. And I was like, hey, what happened? He started knowing like what our version of the stuff was. And this was in August. And he's like, first of all, the fact that they're having you send those two chapters makes no sense with no guidance. And I was like, I agree. And then um, and also for you to even 
how can you for me my logic is like how can you do this all on your own your methods without the actual guidance and the approval of your chair someone who already has done research projects often it's very hard to you know have them approve of something like by yourself in the summer and also from the moment that like the semester started no one none of the faculty could give me a, an affirmative yes or no if i could count on their support because of their hours of of like classroom or like their load their unit load classroom was already taken up Karina's the coordinator I was the one who I wanted at least that person to be my coordinator and it wasn't until October that I was pressuring her and I was like I need an answer or not and then from then on she couldn't give me anything and so I just moved on and went to Alondra's chair and he agreed to be in my committee from then on it wasn't until Karina talked to her in November that she finally remembered oh that's probably something that should be in our mind and she emails me saying hey do you want to still like can I do you want me because Karina she told Karina that um she had to confirm with me first to see if I needed her in her chair before she could say yes to her and that made no sense because I was like I'm fine I'm out you know like you know like that doesn't make any sense it's November and until then Karina you had a chair until then until that email happened and it was us working writing every single day during winter break to catch up to Alondra with her first three chapters yeah and that same that same uh chair Karina's chair and the one that didn't get back to Patricia I emailed her since late August or beginning of September asking if she would be willing to serve on my committee because I already had a chair because we needed two faculty from the ed leadership and I literally we didn't even have class with anybody except for like three of them so I was like okay let me do her because she her research is on um like uh minoritized groups too so I was like okay maybe she can support you know and to this day like I never received an email back And she does um, research on undocumented students, no? Uh, I don't think she does, but the previous coordinator does. Yeah. The chair? The previous, yeah. So she was the one yeah. that you yeah, her, wanted yeah. to, right? Yeah, I originally wanted her to serve on my committee when I was thinking about it because she does research on undocumented students, um, like ESL families, a lot similar to what I wanted to do in the higher ed. And uh, my experience when I met with her wasn't the good one. So after that, I decided like, there's no way um, her name is going to be anywhere on my stuff. Like, I cannot, like, I, I just would do anything to not have her on my committee. So yeah, she was not on it. Yeah, I think what makes it so hard was how limited you were about I mean if I were a student as a student I kind of you know you got you two went out and like you had to you guys had to like vouch for like any other um person outside so you know we were in a I was in a time crunch I was like you know what whoever can get can sign my papers like let's do this so 
we were expected to have two faculty from the department and one outside. And um, thankfully, you know, Patricia was able to connect me with someone that really related to my research outside and fantastic woman. Um, and then two of the other faculty, you know, had to be in the department. At that point, I was like, I just need someone that, you know, it's two people that are going to be in the department. Let's do this. Um, it took time. It took Zoom meetings. It it was like a three-week process to try to get them to connect with me. You know, you're working full-time. You can't drive 24-7 to the institution um, to try to meet with them and then come back um, and then get their signature. Like, it was a hassle to try to get the, the signatures also, meet them in person. Um, yeah, so that is kind of like my time crunch and like my... Like, I need somebody to just, like, sign me off to, you know? So, and it was also, like, the, the challenge of, like, within the, the committee members, like, really trying to balance, you know, having bodies that just could sign things and then having people that made sense within, you know, our research that we wanted to do. I mean, I got so much shape just because uh, two of my committee members were completely outside of the department. They had wanted me to include an additional committee member, a fourth one, just to sign and become in the department. I mean, I straight up CC'd like everyone and I was just like, it makes no sense. I haven't gotten a response from anybody else. I am not going to wait until anyone in my department or even in our college was even going to do anything because I'm like, I'm on a time crunch. And if they don't want them, I don't want them either. So if like what are you going to do? Like, they don't want to sign it and I don't want them in there because, you know, the same experiences that Alondra had, I was like, I don't want these people to have credit to be in my committee. And at the end of the day, um, and it's a hassle to even get them to even sign anything. It makes no, imagine like towards the end, what the experience was going to be like. Yeah. So, um, because I had like a really good chair all from the beginning, I didn't actually search for my committee other than that one professor in our department um, that never responded to me until I was searching for my committee, I think, up until December, because I think I was the last one <laughs> to come up with a formal committee, which was so difficult because originally I was told, yes, that I'd be able to have someone with a master's. And so I asked the coordinator of the uh, Dream Center, which like serves undocumented students, because she has a lot more insight into that population than like anyone else on campus, right? And so um, they had my my chair had said like, yeah, that would be fine, and that's what the rule says. And so I only had him and her, and then I had no idea who else could be in it because I hadn't heard back from that coordinator. But then by the time I got to, like, the Division of Graduate Studies for, like, approval of it, they had said, no, we're not going to approve her because she doesn't have a PhD. So I was like, what do you mean? Like, the thing says master's and, like, their their experience, like, it would be all good. I thought, like, because, you know, she's the coordinator of this, like, center and, like, has really good insight to this population that I'm doing research on, like, it would be beneficial. And he said, well, you know what? You can put her as the fourth member of your committee, but you still need a third that has a PhD. So then I just went back to my chair and I was like, I don't know what to do because um, I need – 
two two more people i didn't hear a response and i need two more people one of them from the ed leadership program and i just don't know what to do so then he said okay um he said i have really good colleagues friends one of them in the ed leadership program you need to meet her she's really great she's always willing to work with students um he gave me her contact info i sent her an email um, and I sent her like an attachment of this is my work so far. This is what I want to do. This is my goal for my research. This is like my sampling, whatever, everything that I had. Right. And kind of just introduce myself. And I got an email from her right away saying that she would be like so excited to work with me, to be on my committee that her and my professor or my chair are really good friends that they've always worked well together yada 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 whatever I met with her and she was so amazing so I told her my experience and then I said I'm still looking for one more member you know of anybody who would be willing you know to serve on my committee or at least someone who I can ask because right before I met with her I asked one of my political science professors for my undergrad and he was going to be on sabbatical that semester this spring so he said unfortunately like I can't serve on your committee because I'll be on sabbatical. So she ended up referring me to someone else who she says was formerly undocumented. So I went and sent her kind of like the same email and then I got a really good response back too. So then I asked, um, again, the division of graduate studies, okay, these are the names that I have. This is their credentials. Would that be okay? And then finally they approved it. Then I went on to go and get all the signatures that everyone's talking about. So it just, it didn't even happen until late December. So I guess my my question, just because I don't have any experience writing a thesis and maybe there's other people listening that have no idea what a thesis is and why, you know, faculty would be so hesitant to be on your committees. Um, could you all, you know, maybe give a, a like a broad, maybe just a general understanding of what a thesis is and like... Uh, maybe your input as to why people don't want to be on your committees is it like is it that demanding and um i i just want to say like this is a program that has been established for a while and this is something that has um you know i feel like as part of the program it's something that you know happens every year and so just maybe just to give us a general understanding as to why they might be wanting to get rid of it or yeah just anything i think that's the thing that i find so ironic about this program and this is the reason why i think for future students they have to be very um that's why a lot of grad, former grad students always ask you know prospective students who want to do graduate programs to speak with current students and don't speak to current students that are heavily involved because they're going to tell you all the beautiful, wonderful things. Um, speak to the people who don't show up or you don't see as often on social media. You know, something like that because they're going to tell you the real deal. And I think it, what's important is um, this program calls themselves the scholar practitioners or to like they foster scholar practitioners. Well, in order to do the scholarly part, you have to actually mentor people into doing research. That is part of the whole thesis, you know, logic behind that, you know. And so I think what was super frustrating is the lack of faculty knowing how to actually mentor students, like actually advocate students in a social justice 
lens in terms of how to do research in that way beyond the the very superficial level of like oh well just insert all these like jargon words um because the whole research design the whole concept the whole literature review like all these things you have to do really groundwork and really know what you're talking about to really do a good job with the student who they're if this is their first time doing research you kind of have to do a lot of ground level work and just how Alondra was saying like the fact that you know your your chair was meeting with you consistently and on it that's what it takes for a good you know um outcome of a thesis you really do need your your chair to be like present to know the policies to be on it in terms of reading your drafts to help advocate for you to like get some committee members like it takes a lot of time and the thing that i find interesting is like if these faculty aren't mentoring students in the thesis and they're not teaching then what the hell else are they doing another thing is um so they aren't getting paid for the work that they do right in the summer and even during um the fall semester because we're actually having to work on this but we're not getting credit for it we're not getting no units so for the whole summer and the entire fall these chairs are getting no money out of it so the only time they actually get paid is when we get credit for our units of writing which is only in the spring so i don't know i don't want to say that that has anything to do with it right but i mean you it's you can tell you can tell and and patricia and i with our chair um and the way that he was meeting with us like um at times it was way above and beyond than you know just what he would be getting paid for so um yeah being uh transparent genuine authentic i think that's a very big thing and when we talk about um them or just in the field in the higher ed field you being there because you really care about the students and then you being there because you care about the students and also care about your money or you being there and you just care about your money and i think we've seen all three of those um in our program i think i'll add on one thing um I, as I was finalizing my thesis, um, I had to just do some formatting stuff with the um, the gentleman who does the whole formatting and thesis and stuff, the one that has been really on us and was really honest about submitting our thesis and everything um, as he formats our thesis. Um, I had a Zoom meeting with him and he was just kind of sharing with me, like, yeah, you know, the department in, like, your area um, doesn't do very many theses, and they don't really know. She He goes, in all the humblest way, like, don't really know, um, don't really do very many theses. Um, so, for me, that was kind of like a, like, well, this makes sense, right? They don't do any theses. Then it's when it comes to actually, like, supporting students, like, Again, I don't know what their reason behind why they don't want to. It could be loaded. It could be, like, because they just don't want to. And, you know, given that I want to know why, at this to this to this day, I want to know why. Um, so that helped. Uh, but also, like, even, even just with his kind of feedback that he was giving me, um, for me, those were kind of, like, red lights. Um, and I think that, 
you know, if we think about it, um, I think all of us in our experience and our whole process, like we, it, it just looks like we were just like barely making it above water. Um, because of like our support systems that we had that we were trying to find out, like we were trying to do multiple things at once, trying to find support, trying to do the work. And I think that like, for a student, you know, who's, you know, you're working, you have life issues, you have just other things that are happening around you, um, to make that kind of doable, um, was just so unrealistic, like for that year. And I think back to now, it's, it's just, it's just incredible to see the things that we've had to go, we've had to go through. Yeah. And I think it was interesting that in every person that I spoke to while I was trying to gauge at what a thesis was, what is the policy, what's the process, um, my conversations with former, you know, healers from our program, um, everyone just kind of said, there's not that many people that do thesis. And so that's the thing that is like the running, like, don't do it, you know, or don't step on that person's toes or, you know, don't challenge them. And that's the part that I found so weird. I was like trying to connect all the dots and everything just didn't make any sense. Yeah, just recently, actually, I a week ago, I kind of guided um, one of my uh, friends who is in the program um, and kind of shared with her a little bit of my experience. She was like, wow, like did not know. She goes, um, I guess that they're going to have also their retreat pretty soon this week. Um, and I just kind of gave her like the full insight of like everything. If this is what you're doing, like start now and start soon. Um, but I don't know. Right. I can tell her, I can tell her all the ins and outs. And still, I think that she, unfortunately, like, like the experience, I just don't want another student to have to go through that, right? So as much as I can guide them, like, I'm happy to do that. Um, again, that's that's not our jobs. Like, you know, there's people that get paid for to do that. And so really calling that out because I think that um, it's necessary, right? If a student wants to um, write something, like a thesis, a big project like that, I think that they should... Um, you know, faculty should be all up on on that to support the student um, and just be transparent, I think. But I think that sometimes I think that that was that was not the case for us. We've, we had to find our own transparency. And how big was her cohort and how many you said only three of you? Was it the only you were the only three that wrote a thesis? Uh, I think we had about 20 students, and originally when we did that retreat, they took like a poll of how many students were going to, or were going to, or were interested in doing the thesis, and there was four of us, but by the time the semester started, um, there was only three of us because of the, yeah, so by the time the semester started, we had to turn in two full chapters or two in one one outline, whatever it was. And uh, 
there was only Patricia, um, Karina, and myself who had actually started working on that stuff. Yeah, and it's also um, interesting because at the beginning, remember the first day of class, over half of the of our cohort wanted to become university presidents. And at the end of the whole semester, I think some dreams were crushed. And it, it comes to show like a lot of these things are challenging by nature, you know, like a lot of these things to get there. But it's interesting how going through a higher ed program that is predominantly, you know, in a minority serving institution, both Anapesi and HSI, how many of us came out more defeated than ever to even become anything in higher ed because we just didn't have the support or the encouragement or the guidance to even go through. Yeah, um, I think we all definitely encountered people who uh, do not practice what they preach, which was very disappointing. Um, As a person who works on campus, uh, I feel that it is very important um obviously the way we treat students and then our the way we treat students it just becomes like a reputation right of the way we we service them and um so many times we hear very good things from others in our cohort students just in general the campus and other times we hear not so very good stuff and then when we hear very very good things about people we have very high expectations of them so then when we're encountered with uh, negative interaction it just kind of it's hard to kind of reflect on everything when it happened to me I was honestly I was a text Karina I was like how could this even be a thing I I'm so sad like that this just happened because I met with somebody from our ed leadership department and they're all about undocumented students right even their office all about like has monarchs has a lot of nopales and it says things like you don't know who yeah like who's undocumented or who's immigrated like could be your neighbor could be your brother-in-law could be this this and this all these things and i was like wow this is awesome and i like i'm gonna get to meet with someone who like truly values who i am as a person and i was there to sit there and, and ask about uh, funding opportunities obviously we know we don't get federal money and it's it's hard to even receive any types of funds. So I was like, hey, like I know of all these because obviously I'm an advisor, I work on campus. So do you have anything else aside from that? And they were just like, well, um, from whatever you know, anything that you know, that's true and I don't really have anything else for you. And I don't know, like I said, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to pay for next semester because that's like over four grand and I only have half of it. So. Um, is there any way like I could even cut back on units because I literally only have half of it and um, she was like well this has never happened before and our program it's going to elevate like it's going to change so these classes that your cohort is enrolled in they're never going to happen again so I'm not really sure what what's going to happen but you need to enroll in all the classes so I don't know that experience just took me back and I had to reflect a lot on it because it was a extremely sad, very disappointing, and I, I remember after that I went back to work, or the next day I went to work, and I was telling my director, like, hey, you know these people exist on campus? Like, they're really preaching all these things, and I mean, their office, like, reflects this, and it looks very pretty, 
But when I, like, when, you know, they're actually encountered with an issue where they need to support these students, like, it doesn't happen. And then it's just sad that the whole campus safe space when in reality it isn't. And I think it's it's also important to because in a lot of these experiences like both of you two experience something different than sometimes I didn't experience and it's so important as like even cohort members like even if you personally don't experience these things that's still your responsibility to call that out because like how can I also preach and say I want to do social justice I want to do this work and then try to kiss ass to them later on in an interaction just to gain more privilege and step on other cohort members. And like, that's the thing that I, that I, that I am like, it's a big pet peeve of mine in higher ed when we can't hold space for those students who have negative space or negative experiences and have other people will say like, Oh, let's all talk about positive vibes and like positive, you know, like experiences only as a space to just share. Um, Alondra, I guess to go to the next topic, what would be some advice that you would give future master's students? Oh, so I did forget to mention that right before I reached out to my chair, I actually reached out to the student who had just finished his thesis that was chaired by my chair. So I reached out to him and I was like, hey, I need all the 411. Like, I need help. I'm thinking about asking him this, this, and that. So that was very helpful. And he was very positive saying like, yes, it's going to be a long journey. It's going to be hard. It's going to be all this. But in the end, like, this is what you want. And you have to always remember why you are doing what you're going to be doing. Because when you get tired and, and, you know, you are kind of debating on like why did you even do this? You need to remember like all the reasons why. So he, um, kind of just helped motivate me and was like, you know, it just take it little by little. Don't worry about the page numbers. Don't worry about this. And I'm like, okay. So I, my advice for them would be to reach out to someone if they know of anyone. I didn't know him like personally, personally, I had met him like maybe once or twice briefly. And I, I still, you know, reached out cause we're, those if we're those type of people that want to help others and obviously like Karina said not go through the same experience that we had we want you guys to you know have better then yeah we're going to be open to you know me and chat with anyone about those experiences so he was very open about it and he was like yeah um he even afforded me his thesis that he did just so I can look it over so my advice would just be to reach out to those that have the experience and that went through something similar because it's it's very important and it is very helpful and obviously like we all kind of said start early because um you get to the point where it just I don't know I became like very just even thinking about it like made me want to throw up I couldn't it, it was a lot so um yeah in order to take it little by little you need a lot of time so just finding that support beforehand as soon as you think oh i want to do this so i'm considering doing it well find all the support you 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 need because that that's where it all starts and what was your reason for doing this if you can share like your your why oh my thesis 
Um, so I was undocumented. Well, I'm still undocumented. Um, I'm a DACA student, and throughout my whole undergrad, actually, my transition from high school into higher ed was just very difficult. And um, Karina and I actually went to high school together, so I knew Gadi like for a lot of years, and I knew that she was in the same similar situation as I. So her and I have kind of been bouncing questions and you know hardships back and forth with one another since since uh we met and um kind of just I had a really hard time I struggled and we obviously had a lot of our parents support and all this going through undergrad and just being different I was even in a sorority like going through undergrad and it was just like obviously there's not a lot of awareness of undocumented students and and the challenges that we face and how different our hardships are as compared to other students, regular students, you know. So um, I just was kind of empowered by my own experience to share and shed light on these these issues because they are very much existing, continue to exist, and no one's highlighting that. So um, I think my last semester of my undergrad was when our Dream Center became available for students, and then it was still super new. So although it was available, a lot of students didn't have knowledge about it. And um, a lot of the, I would say, higher-ups um, in our institution kind of are just like, yeah, there's undocumented students here, and, like, that's it. But they don't know anything further. So I just felt like it was kind of like a duty to have to get these voices out there and and be able to let everyone know, like, this is a central value. Like, we're hearing all these things from our students here. Like, and not only Fresno State. My research wasn't only those that graduated from Fresno State. It was um, different institutions, so, like, private four-year, uh, UC, and then CSU. So I don't know. It's like myself to have a voice and yeah Mm. that's wonderful thank you for sharing that and part of like the advice that I would have for future master students is really get familiar with what is a policy and what is just an informal version and rule that a person has for themselves or, or has for the program um, I think the more you understand what is written on the policy, what is the guidelines, what's hard deadline, what are the accommodations you can have, what are some extensions or even advocate for extensions for yourself. Um, I've had previous experience with friends who were not able to turn in their final cumulative like, like project in undergrad or even our master's, like if you don't turn it in right on time, those are the things that you need to learn because you it could have big implications of you finishing or, or attaining your degree or not. Um, there's certain things, like I think from all of our experience, like during the first semester of our second year, them saying to turn in three chapters, we were looking at it and I'm like, where's the policy in that? Um, and it was, it was about telling like challenging them like why do I have to turn in three chapters if I don't have support you know be brave enough to like send an email to whoever you need to send like get familiar with who is the dean of graduates research studies uh get familiar with who is your dean who is your chair who is the director cc all those people and say and if you have a chair or even a faculty mentor that can guide you through that process that's even better um, because all three of us were kind of like, it's all of us or none of us kind of mentality where you get together with the people who is going through the same process because 
if one person le perjudica a, a esa persona, like it's so important for you to know, like in contact with each other, because all three of us heard different information about the same thing. Um, so always fact check with either your your classmates or people from a different program within that college to see what the experience is like and what their information is. Because there definitely it could be some favoritism in, in graduate programs where some person is getting more accommodations than maybe you aren't getting. So um, be very familiar with the process of, you know, appeal or anything. Um, or if you don't know it, just at least know that word exists and try to see if you're... you're a faculty mentor can help guide you. So um, kind of going off on that topic of like advice and like just for future students um, really interested in pursuing like a degree in the mass, uh, getting a, doing a thesis in the graduate program. Um, I would, I would really encourage you to like really get committee uh, committee members that align to your vision like who you are um and make sure that like it's not just because of like a topic that that they're good at but like making sure that like are they good with students like what is their approach what is their work style like are they going to be present to your um invitations when you ask them to come to your defense um when you ask them for feedback like it's super important that like presence is there right it's not just you didn't just create a committee and it's just one person in your committee right like i would just call that i wouldn't i wouldn't really call that a committee so like really looking into like what they see into their commitment towards you um i think is really important um, I also definitely would encourage students to um, not just rely on one person's um, like version of what they understand um, of things, of deadlines, um, like find out from multiple people um, because you don't want to be stuck in a situation where you thought you had relied on somebody and then or your chair or people in your committee and it really realizing that what they informed you was wrong um so even sometimes you know right in in within the own department they also don't know sometimes all the rules and the policies and practices that they even they've put in place um so it's like you know no one no one really knows and so like even taking it up to like higher ups like Although they want you to, you know, figure the issue at a low, a low level with them, like I think sometimes, like as a student, you have that, uh, you have that power to, you know, um, do that. What are they gonna do? They can't fire you. <laughs> um, so it's really making sure that you're advised right. Um, you don't, would, uh, you know, with with my scenario, I think just speaking on that, like. Um, it's super important to have that kind to kind of um, guidance um, with someone that people that know, right? Um, so that's kind of my advice. And can you uh, please share with us what the topic of your thesis was, and maybe any findings that you gathered? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I did. My topic was um, it was a qualitative study um, of the experiences of Latinx mothers um, organizing and advocating for their children and just overall success in their education. Um, 
And, you know, I, I have a really huge passion with parent organi- organizing and um, particularly with the work um, with the work I did with um, Latinx mothers. Um, I so wanted to, you know, bring the voices um, of what's happening in our city. Um, the city here is we have a lot of our moms who are, you know, they've been they're mainly seen as um you know like my mom she was the pretty much the advocate of the family you know we both of my parents were involved but my mom was the one that you know would come to like the parent meetings stuff like that um so I really enjoyed um and I really wanted to bring voice to um these these mothers in an agency so that um, higher education can look at into what um, these mothers are doing and you know I really had a great time um, uh, interviewing um, several Latinx mothers and their experiences and how they're navigating higher education and trying to support their students into that journey Um, a few of them were actually enrolled in um, higher education themselves, which was interesting because, you know, they're, they're figuring out a whole new system. And that is just like, you know, at a community college level and the experiences of, you know, having language barriers, having kind of like this not feeling like they belonged. And so how can our higher education institutions really look into what these moms are doing, what they're advocating for. And like, as we understand that higher education does have laws and FERPA comes into play and we, we get that. Um, But I think that there is kind of like that automatic shift where we dismiss parents once they hit, once our higher education, once our students hit higher education. And, you know, a lot of these parents are relying on the fact that their students well, they've made it, you know, they're in college, like, what do I, how can I, you know, for so many years in K through 12, they've been advocating and organizing. And all of a sudden, they're kind of like, ripped apart that because of purple laws and all this. Um, So I think like, it's, it's, it's really important that they maintain like our parents to to be um, organized and, um, and look at what they're doing. I think they're, 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 experiences and um what they bring is so important and that is kind of that is what my topic was about so yeah awesome thank you for sharing that and thank you for all of the great advice um i think i i hope that people find it helpful and it's definitely a lot of cheese coming from csu fresno's master's program in education um so, Patricia, please um, do us the honors or of closing us off. Yeah, so we'll um, do our POC business shout-out. I'm going to shout-out um, Red Bay Coffee from um, the Bay Area. Um, they are located in um, Oakland, I believe, one of the shops. Uh, Red Bay Coffee Roasters was founded in 2014 by Keva Conte, um, a renowned artist and successful food entrepreneur with deep roots in the San Francisco Bay Area's uh, spe- specialty coffee and hospitality industry. Red Bay Coffee is at the forefront of what we believe is the fourth wave of coffee, a firm commitment to ensure coffee production 
is not only high quality and sustainable, but a vehicle for diversity, inclusion, and social and economic restoration, entrepreneurship, and environmental sustainability. We are foodies, artists, activists, community folk, and innovators who love, love, love what we do. Hmm. So if y'all want to uh, support Red um, Bay Coffee, they're taking orders online, and we'll have all the info on the um, show notes. Cool. And for all of our listeners, you can email us at chicanacodeswitchers at gmail.com and send us your POC business conference and event shout outs and listener letters. You can also record a listener message on the Anchor app and that way we can also include it in our future episodes. Please follow us on Instagram at Chicana Code Switchers and on Twitter at xcodeswitchers. And if you would like to support this podcast, you can Venmo, Cash App, us at Chicana Code Switchers and or become a Patreon contributor. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode and until next time. And don't forget to switch the code. Don't let the code switch you. And let's say goodbye, everyone. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.